Uh, good morning, New City Church. How we doing, baby? Oh, awesome, awesome. Thank you for that, guys. That is an amazing time. Uh, you know, I uh, it, after the first song, I was like, man, I'm so fired up about what Jesus did. I was like, guys, we need some, we need some enthusiasm in here. And y'all laughed, right? But here's the deal. Like, like, like what happened 2,000 years ago is the pivotal point of history, and we're still celebrating it today, amen? And so, man, we ought to be jazzed about it like all the freaking time. Now, are there going to be highs and are there going to be lows? Are there going to be times when we're up and times when, Yeah, absolutely. We don't want this false, weird, you know, like everything's fine if it's not, because if it sucks, it sucks, right? Amen? But if it, but here's the thing, like, like Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over all of it. And so when we, when we start talking about enthusiasm, our times together on Sunday mornings have got to be a celebration, have got to be a time where we, like, we're fighting this battle 24-7, Monday through Saturday, and on Sunday mornings we get to get with our peeps and hang out and say, okay, we're not crazy, right? Are you with me, New City? And we got to be thinking in those kinds of terms, man. And I love this, uh, that we are starting a new series today called Knuckleheads. And Knuckleheads, guys, is a series that, that basically calls us all out. Like calls us out as all knuckleheads. By the way, I'm a knucklehead and you're a knucklehead. You guys turn to your neighbor and say, you're a knucklehead. All right, don't put knuckles on heads. I'm talking about, you know, just say, hey, you're a knucklehead, right? Because, it, like, and you can fill out your bulletins on this stuff. And by the way, if you're on our Facebook Live uh, feed, welcome Facebook family. That's cool. We, if you want to p- download our app, you can actually fill this out on our app uh, as well. Now, the, the Facebook Live feed looked like it just went out. Did it go out or did it not go out? I don't know if it did or not. So if anybody wants to check that out, that would be awesome. I appreciate that a whole bunch. So you can download your app and you can actually take uh, the notes on your bulletin, uh, the, on, like on your app and on your phone, and you can email the notes to yourself when you're done. So some people like to do that quite a bit. And so here's what we've got going on, as we do have uh, uh, this series, like I said, called Knuckleheads. And last week, you guys filled out a, for, uh, a, a survey for me that was basically your three uh, top things that you're struggling with. And those things are uh, those things were outlined, and I've got some results for you here in just a little little bit. But keep in mind that we are, and you can fill this out on your own, all unbelievers in some ways. Now, hear me out on this. I'm not calling you out as unbelievers. You guys, most of us in here are believers in the Lord. A lot of us are new. A lot of us have got a lot of learning to do. But ultimately, we are all unbelievers in something. And I say that only because we truly, because we're fallen, because none of us are perfect, don't truly trust Jesus in absolutely every aspect of our lives. Right? Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's worry about our family. Sometimes it's about what we're going to eat or drink or where or where we're going to live. Those, what about my car? What about this? What about retirement? What about food? What about, what about my family? What about all those people in Florida, right? My daughter and my son-in-law are in Florida too. So it's not, you know, so trust me, I'm, I've, I've got like a mirror. I'm looking at this stuff going, hey, this is not a this is not a thing where I'm, or I'm saying, hey, you knuckleheads need to start believing. I'm saying, we knuckleheads need to start believing. This preaching is for, is for me, too. 
There are several of uh, those surveys that you took last week. I want to share with you guys uh, exactly what those are. And we're going to have three different services today. Three different messages based on what you said. So the 845 and the 10 o'clock and the 1130 are all going to be a little bit different. So at 845, let me show you the results of what you guys said last week. At 845, you said that 41% of you said that rest and Sabbath were the things that you struggled with the most. Now, that doesn't surprise me, people coming into the early service, right? You're the, you're the waking, oh, man, you know, like, I'm so, so, it's so early, man. I, I'm struggling with rest, right? Yeah, I get that, right? But, but then uh, 33% of you said that you struggle with anger. And uh, uh, another 33% of you, and some of them are overlapping, it says that you don't read the Scriptures. Now, there's a pattern here I'm going to show you about here in, in just a little bit. So, so, so rest and Sabbath, anger, and reading our Scriptures are what I'm going to talk about at the 845 service. The 10 o'clock service... Uh, the number one thing they said, 33%, they said they suffer from anxiety. So we're going to talk about that in the 10 o'clock service. Forgiveness was the second one. And the, and the third one was they don't read their Bibles. Are you starting to see a pattern, New City Church? All of a sudden, it starts to happen here. Uh, 1130, uh, the number one thing, again, was anxiety. Second thing was money troubles. And the third thing is they don't read their Bibles. Do you see a pattern, New City Church? Overall, if you take all three services together, we had almost 80 people that took the survey. Uh, number one was they don't read their Bible. We did a survey a couple of years ago, as a matter of fact, and we found out that about 80% of us in here, and I hope that's a little better now, but about 80% of us do not read their Bible except on Sundays when they come to church. Second thing that they that overall is anxiety. Third thing is rest and Sabbath. The fourth thing is anger. The last thing, 14%, is money troubles. But do you see a pattern here, New City, that we're not reading our Bibles? And this is a problem, isn't it? Like if we want to know what God said, we've got to get in his word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have, and this is David writing to, to God, right? This is praises to him. It says, I have written your what? Word in my heart, not in my mind. Notice he didn't say, I, hey, I've memorized your word, God. Isn't that good enough, right? No. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is a reason I've done this because I don't want to be apart from you, John 1, 14, and in fact, like John 1 is one of my favorite passages because it lays it down exactly what we're reading here. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. In John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and took up His residence among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the, of the, as the one and, one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, love and desire for Jesus equals, hear, we, hear me out here, because if the Word is Jesus and the Word became flesh, so that means Jesus is the flesh that came as the Word and Jesus is the Word, then a love for Jesus that most Christians say they have must equal a love for the Bible. 
Catch what I mean on that. And we don't read our Bibles. How can we love Jesus if we don't read our Bibles? That's hard. Catch what I mean on that. This is the difficult one. And so love and desire for Jesus equals a love and desire for his word, a thirst for his word. If we are thirsting for Jesus, we are going to be thirsting for his word, not the knowledge of his word, him. Him. Amen? Are you with me, New City? This is important for us to understand. A love and desire for Jesus equals a love and desire for his word, the Bible. And so in 845, when we start saying, I don't read my Bible all all that much, but I'm struggling with anger and Sabbath, probably angry because you're not resting and here early, early, right, on a Sunday morning, right? But but anger and Sabbath. So James 4, I want to talk a little bit about that. If you don't know who James is, James is an awesome, fantastic, wonderful book, man. Like, I highly recommend that to anybody that wants to radically step into discipleship. You know, we have a new course that's starting on October 4th, Wednesday evening, 6.30, on, called the Exploring Discipleship. And so for a lot of people think that discipleship is coming to church, getting baptized, getting, getting to, you know, call yourself a Christian, and I'm a disciple. Actually, discipleship is learning what it means to be obedient, learning the commands of Jesus to be obedient to him. And if we're not in our word, we're not going to be obedient to him. James is the brother of Jesus growing up, and he didn't call himself a brother of Jesus. Hey, by the way, I got to grow up with Jesus. I've known this cat for, for 30 some odd years, right? And, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So what he called himself is a slave to Jesus Christ. Wow. James 4 says, what is the source of the wars? And, and he's talking about anger here, right? What is the source of the wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at, at war within you? You desire and do not have. Listen to what he says. These are powerful words. He says, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive. Listen to this. This is powerful. Because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your evil desires church that hurts don't it but listen to what he's saying adulteresses and some scriptures say uh, adulterous generation or adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward god so whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes god's enemy hard stuff this facebook live new feed people are like coming in going dang man you know my first taste of this stuff but listen we want to make sure people understand this is a real battle and a war the enemy man here's what i was just thinking about that this morning the enemy is not somebody that needs to be managed the devil is not somebody that we need to manage in our life sin is not something that needs to be dealt with it needs to be eradicated like we got to have murderous, violent thoughts toward our, our sin. The enemy wants to seek, kill, and destroy. God, on the other hand, wants us with him. Life to the full. Amen? And so when we are saying, I'm still struggling with this, or I'm struggling with anger, I'm struggling with taking a rest, and struggling with taking a Sabbath, struggling with different things, struggling with anxiety, struggling with those kind of things, and yet we don't even go into the Scriptures. With a heart that says, God, fill me. God, like, like, show me what I need to do from right now till whenever I see you face to face. 
Exodus 20, verse 8, talking about the Sabbath. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it. Some of you guys remember we did the rest of God's series. Guys, Sabbath is Saturday. Seventh day. I'm not Seventh day Adventist type of thing. I'm not saying that. But Sabbath is Saturday. Over and over. The Sunday thing was changed about 300 years after the New, New uh, Testament church started. And so we need to understand that there has to be a day outlined in Scripture. And this is what it says. To keep it holy, you are to labor six days and do all your work. Here's where I struggle myself. I like to work a lot. A lot. And over and over in the Scripture it says, Seventh day, keep it holy. Isaiah talks about it. Talks about it in the New Testament. Talks about it in the Old Testament. But the seventh day is the Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave or servants, your livestock, or the foreigner who is, in, who is within your gates. In other words, it's not good to, to work and, and, and to have a, a Sabbath and say, yeah, I'm, I'm having a Sabbath, but I'm going to have somebody come over and mow my yard. I'm going to have somebody come over and wash my car. I'm gonna have, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are things. Now, I'm not going to get too freaked out about certain things because you could get all legalistic and that kind of thing. But here's the deal. Seventh is seventh over and over and over in the Scripture, and it does not waver. And if the first day is called Sunday in the New Testament and Old Testament, right? If that's the case, then we have got to respect the Sabbath day as holy. I would err on the side of obedience as well as balance without being legalistic. But I would still err on the side of obedience when, when it said this. And we worked toward it. For some of us, we're struggling like, man, how does this work? How does, you know, but Saturday's the day I, that we get all our honeydews and stuff. Hey, I've had to change my lifestyle a bunch, man, recently. Over the last year when we started studying about this stuff, I was totally convicted. Because that's what I would do. I would say, oh, I'm going to start where I'm going to do this, that, so Saturday projects. And I will start to figure out why am I so freaking flipped out and exhausted and, frankly, angry, Right? Because I'm so tired. Because God made us with a rhythm. It's his rhythm and his image. And I know people disagree with me about this, but I just go back to the word and say, hey, I'm not saying what our opinion is. I'm not saying what Constantine said in the 300s of what it's supposed to be or a bishop said in the 1600s. I'm saying what does God say? And if we read our scriptures, we'll be guided by that. Amen. So simple, yet so difficult. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, in, we up there? Six days, right? Six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. By the way, that's one of the Ten Commandments that comes in. It is the longest of all the Ten Commandments. We miss it because, so oh, that doesn't apply to us anymore. That doesn't, yeah, it do, <laughs> right? Like if I was to commit murder and stuff like that, you'd be like, hey, bro, I don't think you ought to be preaching on Sunday morning. Hey, if you were cheating on your wife, hey, bro, I don't think you'd be cheating. You'd be really needed to be, like, we probably need to remove you from your, 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 your position. If I was stealing, you'd be like, man, dude, but I'm working my tail off on Saturday morning and nobody says a word, like, good job. Really? What does it say? Amen? Are you with me, New City Church? Now, if you are in a position 
where you are working on Saturdays and getting paid for Saturdays. I am not saying you're going to go to hell. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to prayerfully look at the scriptures, analyze what they say, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and as he leads you, start working toward a plan for obedience. Both in anger, both in rest, both in Sabbath, all those things, right? These are not, these are things of, keep in mind, I struggle with these things too. I am not condemning you. I'm challenging us as a people. Mark 9 and I love this because Mark 9 is so powerful because Jesus takes up his inner three up to a, cloud, up to the, up to a mountain and check out, uh, some people know this as the transfiguration, but listen to the pattern that is going on in Mark, Mark 9. <coughs> it says, a cloud appeared overshadowing them and a voice came from the cloud. Now keep in mind what happens here. This is, this is where it is truly discovered who Jesus is. And this is why I say we need enthusiasm. Because this is awesome. This is my beloved son. This is God saying, this is my beloved son. The father is saying, and he's saying, what does he say next? Listen to him. What does he say, right? See, this is where the same pattern of, of anxiety and, and money issues and all those different things are going to be the same because ultimately what we're supposed to do is listen to Him. How do we listen to Him? Obviously through His Holy Spirit. But His Word, right? We listen to His Word. Listen to what He said. Then suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. Keep in mind what happened here. They saw Moses, who represented the law. They saw Elijah, who represented the law. And they put Jesus in that same category. And they said, hey man, let's make a temple for all three of you. And let's just hang out, because this is, this is awesome. That's when God said, whoa, wait, wait. This is not Moses, not Elijah. This is my beloved son. See, when I was rocked by the fact that Jesus is a whole lot bigger than me, 17, 18 years ago, when I realized that he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies, that everything written about him in the Old Testament came true in the New Testament, and then rose from the dead, how ridiculous is that? Like, I was, like, totally floored. Like, I was sold out. And when I started reading his word, I wasn't reading the Bible. I was reading the word of God speaking to me are you kidding me wow like like this God loves me this much to show himself to be absolutely true in the scriptures miraculously preserved over this time like mirac like truly incredibly accurately preserved from hundreds of miles apart absolutely pinpoint accuracy together over 5,000 complete New Testaments that have been found in the Roman Empire, hundreds of miles apart, and they all match together like it's crazy. No other historical document has that kind of stuff. It all points to Jesus. Jesus rises from the dead, and somehow I look at the Bible like nonchalantly, like, man, if I get to it, I might get to it one of these days. I, I don't know. Whew, man, come on. Guys, it's the solution. His Holy Spirit guiding us through His Word, letting him, letting him talk to us and truly be transformed. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Following Him, obeying Him. What does He say? Doing what He says. Then suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone 
with them except Jesus alone. This is powerful. As they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Later on down in the same chapter, Mark, start, Mark 9, starting in verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. These guys were not trained guys and unschooled men and all that kind of stuff. And these guys with more degrees than a circle would come at them and say, Oh, you're not really cool. You're not really good. You're not really spiritual. And, and you're, you're wrong in this stuff. And listen to what happens. All of a sudden, when the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. And then he asked, what are you arguing with them about? Out of the crowd, one man answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a, a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Guys, the spirit world is real. Demonic is real. Okay, I, I, like, like this is what happened. Like if we try to dismiss that part we're dismissing jesus because he's about to throw down right now and dismiss like, like he's about to oh it's awesome whenever it seizes him it throws him down and foams it and he foams at the mouth grinds his teeth and it becomes and becomes rigid so i asked your disciples to drive it out but they couldn't he replied to them and this is something he, we guys we need to be thinking about because we're knuckleheads right you unbelieving generation how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought him to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy. He fell to the ground and rolled around. Jesus has the power over anything that is trying to get us, right? How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it is throwing him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Keep in mind what just happened. Jesus was just transformed, transfigured on the mountain, right? This is my son. Listen to him. And if you can do anything, is what the Father says, have compassion on us and, and help us. And the Jesus said to him, if you can? I almost, almost imagine Jesus going, don't you know who? Never mind. Right? You know? Not yet. If you, like Jesus knows who he is. Everything is possible to the one who believes. And this is not just a belief about Jesus. This is a belief in Jesus, through Jesus. Pistuo belief where I will put my weight on this. I'll die on this hill, right? If you can, everything is possible to the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, my, one of my favorite quotes right here, right here, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. How honest is that? Face to face with Jesus, desperate, desperate for him, desperate for his intervention, desperate for his healing. I do believe Jesus, but, but man, I'm struggling. I'm a knucklehead, right? I'm a knucklehead, Jesus. I do believe. I've seen you do all this kind of stuff. I know all the facts about you, but man, I, I'm struggling. And you know, Jesus didn't look at him and say, you moron. He didn't look at him and say, oh man, come on, bro. I ain't gonna waste my time with you until you get your crap together. He didn't say any of that stuff. 
He looked at him and was like, that's good enough, man. Because his heart desired, recognized his unbelief, recognized where he fell short, and said, help me with that, Jesus. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out. <laughs> yes, ma'am, it did. Shrieking, convulsing, and violating, the boy became like a corpse so that many said, he's dead. But Jesus, the author of life, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. Amen? Come on, man. Come on, man. We're struggling with our, struggling with our anxiety or rest or not reading our scriptures or anger. Idol worship, materialism, whatever it is. Guys, listen. We need to be going to Jesus saying, help me with my unbelief, man, because I'm an unbeliever in this part of my life. I still worry. I still don't forgive. I still have issues. I'm still angry. I'm still not taking a Sabbath as you have commanded a bunch in your scriptures. So here's what I want us to do. Some homework for us this week. I want us to, step one, Guys, write this on your bulletin or <coughs> on a piece of paper or something. First thing I want you guys to do is write down whatever it is that is keeping you from not reading, from being angry, from truly submitting ultimately to the one that is the, the healer and the, the fixer and the one that's going to make everything new, Jesus the Christ. Look at the list. Step two, and I want you to ask yourself, honestly, and this is stuff you got to put in your handwriting. This is a note to yourself, because you're going to challenge yourself, and you're going to go where God is wanting you to go. And you're going to say, I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with this. And step two, I'm going to ask myself, one, two, three, four, or 105, are these bigger than Jesus? Step three, if they are not bigger than Jesus, which they are not, I want you to write out a detailed plan and get counsel from godly people. Don't go to somebody who don't read their Bible. Don't go to somebody that doesn't live by the Word or by the Spirit. Don't go to somebody like that because they're going to tell you what they think and it don't matter what they think. What matters is what God said. Get into the word and then make a detailed plan of what you are going to do about what the scriptures say. When I say a detailed plan, I'm not saying I'm going to be a gooder, better, faster Christian. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to be cooler as a, as a Jesus guy. I'm going to put stuff on my Facebook every once in a while. I'm going to type amen when somebody guilts me into saying that if I don't spread it, Jesus ain't going to. No, I'm talking about what am I going to do? What steps am I going to take? When am I going to have my quiet time? When am I going to read my Bible? How much of the Bible am I going to read? When am I going to have this done? When am I going to sit in front of somebody that I've been angry with for 12 years saying, I'm sorry for being angry with you. When am I going to reconcile? Guys, this is like the, the, the real deal. This is what it means to be a disciple. You actually make a plan, a detailed plan, something that you know whether or not you have won or lost, failed or accomplished 
that plan, then you implement. Guided by the Holy Spirit, guided by His Word. And then take that step, step four, of becoming a disciple of Jesus, not just a Christian. A Christian is somebody who calls themselves a Jesus freak, calls themselves a follower, calls themselves a disciple, and in essence, all they are is something that can, they can check off on a demographic profile or because they're not Muslim or something. Amen? They might even go to church, but, but ultimately, it's someone who follows and submits to. And that's why, man, sometimes I, I wonder, like, like we have got to be jazzed about him. He rose from the dead for a reason. Show us that he's victorious over all the crap that we got to deal with. And we're cool. We're good. But ultimately, it's our decision to follow. He will never make you or me, us, follow him. You know, we've got this initiative called, Will It Be Us? Will it be us that submits to Jesus, makes those plans, starts being obedient, and actually living out the gospel versus just the following at a distance Christian? who goes to church and does the right things, but doesn't necessarily do the God things, the hard things, the war things, and help others to do the same, amen? We're going to take some communion here in just a little bit. And I want us to be, like, really checking ourselves. As the old school rap says, before we rickety-rick ourselves, right? Like, check our hearts. Let God expose this. Like, if there's something that you need to deal with, deal with it. Then take the communion. If you've got a, a brother or sister that you have an issue with, like you will not forgive them and you haven't done the, what you can to reconcile, all this kind of stuff, like deal with it now. A few years back, I had to go drive 45 minutes to, this, to the northeast part of Kansas City and deal with a brother that I had been in a fight with on that Friday. And then I came back when nobody was around and took communion. Because that's how we roll. We do what Jesus says. Amen. Father, we love you. And we thank you and are amazed by you, by what you have done and said in your word. Ultimately, Lord, we are at your disposal. But Father, may our enthusiasm this morning not be a fake. May it not be contrived. May it not be something we're just trying to muster up. May it genuinely be because you rose from the flipping dead. God, we love you more than we can tell you. It is in your son's awesome and amazing name as we take this communion, Father. Amen.